0: This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. They say time flies and it sure feels like that is the case. We're already approaching the end of the school year with cheers or groans depending on what that means for you. And before you know it, it'll be Christmas and then 2024. If you're a bit like me, the end of the year becomes a bit of a mad rush to get everything done. Yet we always focus and tell our clients not to leave things until the last minute and that year-long planning is a better approach than end-of-year planning. With the proposed upcoming changes around taxing super balances over $3 million coming in just over 18 months, I think that adage rings true right now, even though there is some time before it commences and it still has to be passed into law by Parliament. Hello, I'm Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team a group of qualified individuals who are available to assist you as you plan out potential strategies for your clients to meet their future goals. In today's podcast, I want to focus in on the proposed super tax and talk not so much about how it's proposed to work, but more on the issues and opportunities it might create. But to do this, we have to start with some of the basics. The first of these, of course, is that we still don't have any legislation passed, let alone introduced into bill form into Parliament as yet. Now there was a recent consultation process undertaken on draft legislation for this measure which closed in mid-October and this does at least give us some idea on how the government is proposing it will work. And really nothing has changed from the original announcement about this measure. It'll apply where a member has a closing total super balance above three million dollars for a financial year, You then need to calculate the movement between the opening and closing total super balances for the year, adjust it for contributions and withdrawals to calculate an earnings amount. Next, calculate what proportion of the member's total super balance at year end is above the $3 million threshold, which is still not proposed to be indexed. And then finally, you apply that proportion against the calculated earnings amount, and this gives the figure that is then taxed at 15%. So, with this in mind, What does it all mean? Well, there has certainly been a lot said about the potential negative consequences of this new tax, which by the way, will come to be known as a division 296 tax. And I say potential negative consequences because we don't have final law, and it is always possible, however remote, that something could change. So for example, the division 296 tax will apply to unrealized gains on assets. And whilst there may be some benefits out of unrealized losses, the issue is the unrealised loss, or in fact any carry forward calculated negative earnings position, disappears when the member's total super balance falls below the $3 million threshold, with no refund of these amounts. Now this in itself creates potential liquidity issues, particularly in the area of self-managed super funds. And we have all heard of self-managed super funds that have been legitimately set up to hold business premises of a member. They may have little liquidity and in some instances, there may also be a limited recourse borrowing attached. Now this Division 296 tax would not have been contemplated when such arrangements were initially set up. And if a new Div 296 tax liability arises, will there be sufficient liquidity in the fund to meet the expenses? Whilst the member can pay the tax personally rather than from their super, will they have the cash flow available? For farmers who have the farming property owned by their self-managed super fund, This could be a real issue in times of drought. And members who think they are not close to reaching the $3 million threshold may not be concerned. But what if their partner died and they became the recipient of a reversionary death benefit pension, even with some insurance proceeds attached? Could this push them above the line? Now the rules do work at least to ensure that there is not an impact in the year the death benefit commences to be paid. But it will be an issue the following year. Remembering here that the Division 296 calculation is based on total superbalances, which the death benefit pension will count towards, even though the transfer balance cap assessment may not occur until 12 months after the death benefit pension itself has commenced. And of course, changing your mind on a death benefit and commuting it in future years won't help for that particular year, as the commutation would be added back to the closing balance. All of these things do raise the question of is there anything that can be done to minimise the impact? This is where timing is important and acting sooner could be better than leaving everything until the last minute. One comment that you may have made to clients in the past is that we can never guarantee that the super rules won't change. And this is an example of where that comment proves true. You may have discussed in the past with clients some super balance equalisation strategies to even out-account balances between a couple. If one is over the $3 million threshold, then this is certainly worth revisiting and potentially doing soon. For a client who has access to the super, a re-contribution to a spouse can work. But for the best benefit, this needs to happen before 1 July 2025. A re-contribution to a spouse doesn't have an immediate impact in the year that it occurs if this is after 1 July 2025. Because we have to remember that withdrawals are added back and contributions are reversed. So it's like that didn't happen in that particular year. For the member withdrawing, the benefit will be there the following year as the opening balance will be lower as a result of the withdrawal in the prior year. Similarly, for their partner, the impact may come in the subsequent year as the recontributed amount will be part of their opening balance. But this is then only an issue if they are above the $3 threshold themselves at that time. So consideration around recontributions this financial year and next year with potential use of the bring forward non-concessional strategy are worth considering. And the benefit could be great if, as currently expected, we see an indexation of contribution thresholds from the 1st of July 2024. Similar considerations arise for other equalisation strategies, such as spouse contributions and contribution splitting. And again, the benefits can be greater if implemented prior to the legislation commencing on the 1st of July 2025. And of course, the other option to be considered is investment outside super. Perhaps the use of investment bonds, with their internal tax rates of 30% and potential tax-free status in the hands of the holder after 10 years. Or the use of trust to hold money, invest it, and then distribute earnings to beneficiaries. But these can be more complex and costly to run, so the use of trust should be carefully considered. So there are certainly options available to consider to potentially minimise the future impact of that proposed Division 296 tax. But you also do have to stop and think. Whilst no one wants to pay more tax, is an extra 15% on a proportion of a member's account balance above $3 million the worst of outcomes? It may in fact still be the best outcome for the member to actually stay with their current strategy. Now if you have any questions about the proposed Division 296 tax or other advice related strategy questions, you can call the BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or send the team an email at technical at btfinancialgroup.com and the team would be only too pleased to help you work through client strategies. And you can also join us for our regular fortnightly BT Academy webinar series where we discuss all things technical and regulatory in the world of financial advice. I'll be presenting our next webinar, episode 88, on Wednesday the 8th of November at midday Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, an ethics-focused session entitled, Should you walk or stand on an escalator? Is it a question of etiquette or of ethics? Would it make a difference if it was a travelator? We're faced with a range of dilemmas and decisions in everyday life, and sometimes the answers might differ. So in this webinar, we'll explore a range of ethical scenarios to determine what courses of actions are available and whether there is one right answer or not. You can register for this session by heading to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. All our webinars are accredited for CPD and can be watched on demand if you can't join us live. I hope to see you online for that webinar, but until next time, bye for now. BT Technos, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory, and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations, or needs.